Hello, my friends. We are back for another episode. And I'm super excited about this one. If you remember, we left off the last episode talking about fear and how it can hold us back and all of the disadvantages that fear has in our life. And the antidote to fear is to believe in yourself. And what is the one way that you can start to believe in yourself is by knowing your superpowers. So if you are sitting there saying to yourself, how in the heck do I figure that out? Then this episode is for you. My guest today, Robin Koenig, is a certified professional coach, and she developed the signature 531 method that will help you discover your gifts so you can use them as your superpowers. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. I am super excited for my next guest. Not only is she a dear friend, she is a professed self-improvement junkie. She's a fellow coach. She is a podcast host and a speaker with an expertise in helping people discover, cultivate, and share their gifts to unlock personal success in life. She's a born communicator that's always learning. She's always curious and always connecting with people. Um, She's been a speaker for 20 years for corporate and nonprofit entities. She's finally sharing her voice and her message with audiences to help people inspire confidence and move people forward with intentional action. So I would like to welcome Robin Koenig. Robin, yay, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks, Natalie. You're so awesome. (laughs) Of course, well, just a little background of how we met. We actually met at our coaching certification program in IPEC. We met, um, it's kind of weird to say it's almost been three years. Oh my gosh. I know it's a little crazy, but, um, yeah, so I think it was instant connection for both of us. I know I was really drawn to Robin in the program. Um, I admired so much how she, um, spoke and how she was very composed and, you know, always full of insight. And every time she shared something in the program, I was like, wow, that's really amazing. So we became fast friends and we've had a great connection and I feel super lucky and super blessed to, to have you Robin in my life. So I'm so happy you're my friend. Oh, thank you. All those nice things. Wow. So composed. Um, and then we got to know each other. (laughs) (laughs) You're so composed (laughs) and you're a lot of fun too. So, um, Yeah. So, you know, what we're going to be talking about today, and I kind of talked about it in the intro, is we're going to be talking about how people um, can really discover their gifts so they can use them as their superpowers. So, Robin, I would love for you to kind of talk about, you know, first of all, how did you become a coach? And and the second follow-up to that is how did you come across this being the message that you wanted to give to people? Sure. So 
I, I love to tell stories. So I appreciate you opening it up that way. You are a great, I will tell you, um, I listened to your podcast and you are fabulous. Not only as a friend, you're a great storyteller, but you tell great stories on your podcast too. So um, you are a great storyteller. I will totally vouch for that. Thank you. Thank you. So honestly, so how I became a coach, it was kind of an opportunity that I didn't really know was necessarily waiting for me, but it was waiting for me for like 20 years. <laughs> it, you know, in 2017, I was laid off from a job. I was working actually for a nonprofit organization. I was their COO. And it was something I, I love to do. I'm still very proud of the work that I got to do for them for six years. But when I was laid off, it was, you know, it was unexpected, which is pretty common when that happens. Sure. But what happened at that moment in time was I decided not to put myself into a place of force to just run out and get another job. You know, um, I didn't freak out. I definitely was kind of like, oh, well, I should do something. But I, I decided to just stop and think about the things that I really, truly wanted to do. So I remember just being in that place of like curiosity and saying, what do I really want to do? And, and what am I really good at? And so I, I started to go backwards. I started to think about, well, what did I really love to do? And all of the things that I've done thus far, because I've led a nonprofit organization, I've worked in the corporate world, I've worked freelance, I've done a lot of different things. And over the course of that time, what did I love to do most? I love to help people kind of like figure things out for themselves. I was always, you know, putting together personal development plans or working with people individually to kind of like be that go-to resource to help figure stuff out. And what I realized was I didn't want to tell people how to do it anymore, but I wanted to be their guide. And I didn't know coaching was a thing. I, <laughs> I honestly was like, is that a thing? Like, people do that. And I had had a coach before. I'd had an executive coach for many years. And so I started to talk to people that were doing those things that I had learned from and kind of asking them questions and how did they become a coach? So it all just kind of happened through this, my own personal discovery process at a moment in time when I realized I had an opportunity to choose the next direction. And that's, that's how I started with IPEC. Yeah. No, what I love about your story is I love that you, I, cause I think so many people are in that boat where they're in a position where they're either moving or they're laid off or the company's closing or some circumstance comes up where there's a need for a job change. And then what happens is, is people don't stop and they're not intentional about it. There's like, oh, hey, I'm going to get, you know, back on the internet. I'm going to start reaching out to my contacts. I'm going to get another job doing exactly what I was doing before or in the same industry. And what I love about it is that you stopped. I mean, how many of us have not done that? And you just took the time to stop and to be really intentional and to really, again, have that curiosity, which I know is one of your superpowers. <laughs> um, you know, you you had you took the time to stop and have that curiosity to really pause and figure out what you wanted and what worked for you. So tell me about your process. How did you go about doing that for yourself? Yeah, so it was funny because it was really hard for me to stop. <laughs> because I'm like a, I'm a go, like I'm like a doer, you know? And so it was extremely uncomfortable 
because in good company, my friend, (laughs) (laughs) I think all of us listening to this podcast are all go-getters and doers. And we always have busy schedules, right? I think it's hard for all of us to stop. Yeah. Yeah. But it was kind of like this. It was so conscious to say like, don't just be busy, like be very productive and decide where you want to put your time. And so, yeah, did I still put some resumes out there and, you know, kind of poke around and put some feelers out? Of course. But at the same time, I also knew what what wouldn't work for me. And I, (laughs) I was talking to my dad one time, my dad is always been like a guide for me, you know, when it comes to business and career and everything. And I remember, cause he's like, you could be another C-level executive at this nonprofit, or you could go and do something in marketing communications again. Like I had done all those things. And I remember telling him, I said, if I go back to doing those things, I will poke my eyes out with a fork. (laughs) 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 Cause it was just like. It was just so not what I wanted. And I knew that. I knew energetically that's not where I could show up. And so I started to think about, like you said, this discovery process. And the word discovery, because I love words, the word discovery had such a very specific meaning for me at that time because it was starting to embrace the curiosity without fear. And it was just kind of like sitting down and thinking and saying, what is showing up for me that has like shown up year after year or job after job. I even went back and looked at like LinkedIn recommendations that people had posted for me way before. Cause I've been through job chains before and just kind of like wanted to look for like what words would come to light and what words make me feel really good about myself. So mm. not necessarily the stuff that I was just good at, Cause there's stuff that I'm good at that I don't ever want to do. <laughs> it doesn't make me happy, but I'm like, I'm really good at numbers. I'm really good at numbers. I've always loved like understanding data, but just to crunch numbers, forget it, but I'm good mm-hmm. at it. Sure. I don't want to ever do it. So it was kind of like this discovery process to put a spotlight on the things that were coming up that I love to do that. I was really good at, and that I could share with somebody else. And that's where the word gift really comes to life for me is a gift is something that not only, you know, you're good at, you can see that you shine at it, but that you want to share with somebody else. Yeah. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. So what do you tell the listener? What do you tell that your coaching client who says, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what my gifts are. I don't have all these breadcrumbs, you know, that you had that you were able to look at your LinkedIn and your, you know, past jobs. And what do you tell someone that says, I don't know, I, I really don't even know where to start. Yeah. So um, sometimes you have to start in an area that maybe you feel less comfortable about, but it's going to kind of get the momentum going, right. And it's by asking other people. So one of the first exercises I do with my clients is to make an ask. And there's three groups of people the people that are super close to you, right? Family, friends, like really intimate circle. Then there's the people that are like friends and like acquaintances. And then there's like people maybe that you don't know super well, but are in your life somehow. Or if you have been in business, like maybe they're a former client or something, but you put an ask out there and the ask isn't, what do you love about me? Like, it's not meant to be like, Hey, tell me all these great things. It's, um, how would you describe me? And so, and it's done with that curiosity, right? And it still might be a little uncomfortable. Like you're being vulnerable. You're saying, 
I want to know something about me and you don't know what you're going to get back. Mm-hmm. But when you put the ask out there, first of all, you're starting to understand that it's not about what other people think of you, but it's what are you going to learn? And when you start to get that information back, it starts to trigger your own brain to say, I know more than I think I know. And then things start to come back, right? Because I think, I personally think that we just, we block stuff off for so many reasons. We don't want to think about it. We feel like if we think good things about ourselves, that it's like bad and that we're, you know, too confident or whatever. And it's like, that's just baloney, honestly. Like, it's just, that's silly because the way for us to truly understand ourselves is to ask ourselves those same questions. So I like starting from the outside first, building that external, you know, interest and then seeing what comes from that. And then it's like highlight, highlight, highlight. And you can start to see like what comes back from other people first. No, I love that. And I I'm assuming that, you know, when people start doing that process, they start to see common themes and common gifts and common strengths come up. And, you know, I think you're so right. I think a lot of us are for many reasons, uncomfortable kind of talking to ourselves in that way and talking about what our gifts are and what our strengths are. And that's why I do coaching with people because I'm super passionate about that side of it, about helping people build the confidence to really own their gifts. But what I love about what you're saying is, you know, so it's so true that oftentimes what I've found with clients is that they honestly, not just that that are not afraid, not that they're afraid to talk about their gifts, but they literally don't know what they are because they tend to be, you know, strengths that come naturally to them. So whether they're a great communicator or whether they're great with numbers or whether they're, you know, um, they're very creative. Those things just come super easy to them and they don't acknowledge it because they think everyone else goes about the world, you know, in the world, the way they do, and they don't understand that it really is a gift. And so I love the exercise that you mentioned, because it is a great way for clients to have a mirror held up and sometimes realize things that they weren't aware of. Yeah. And it, and it's, and it's one step, right. But I, do also then the next piece is to really take it to that, you know, like bring it into the self for the client next, because first they're going to acknowledge what they hear, you know, and, and what did you hear back? And it's interesting because sometimes I'll do this and they'll be like, well, this person gave me like, this was the worst answer, you know? And, and I try and understand why, why they look at that. And so my, I always ask like, well, was it accurate? Like, did you hear information that was accurate? Well, yeah. Okay. So when you're judging it, is it being the worst? Is it because you don't personally like that or it doesn't make you happy? Or like, what is it about that, that you deem is not being like good, right? Like with that judgment, they're like, well, because I hear it all the time. Okay. So if you hear it all the time, what does that tell you? Does it tell you that it is something that is you know, again, shining really brightly that people see in you as potential? Or do you see it as something that you don't feel good about? So then it's just kind of like starting to understand if they don't feel good about it, why? You know, maybe something happened in their past that, you know, the life experience has told them that they don't like showing that part of themselves or it's not produced the results that they want. That's like one piece. And then the other piece is kind of like, well, how does it make you feel? And if the response is, I just don't feel good about it. I don't, 
it's not fun for me. I don't have joy that I'm like, bingo. Well, that's, mm-hmm. that's there, right? That's what it is. So for me, when I was like, I know I'm good at, you know, marketing and communications, but I don't find joy in it. And so for me to go back and get a job and do that, just because I'm really good at it and I've got a lot of experience and it's a skill set of mine, forget it. I won't be successful because I won't show up in a place of, you know, power, Mm -hmm. right. And put myself in a position to really go big with it, like super powered approach to bring that gift to light, to share it with others and have it be valuable for anybody else, because I've already decided it's not worth it. Yeah, no. And I think that is really important is it has to be in alignment with what brings you joy and what lights you up and what makes you happy. So yeah. And then any other steps that you recommend for people to go through this process? Is there a third step in the process? Yeah. So I had this method. I do this method. It's called the five, three, one method. And so, you know, the ask part of it is kind of like the research. Okay. (laughs) They do, they do their discovery research about themselves. And then the very, the first step is, is finding joy. So what I suggest is make a joy list. Like sit down and think of five things. That's the five, five things that would bring you joy and put them into these rings. And I like, I'm super visual. I like anything that I can just like see and touch and whatever. And so um, I say, draw five rings, like the Olympic rings, you know, that are interconnecting and pick five things like themes, buckets of things that bring you joy. So for example, I have family, I have food fitness. They're all like with Fs. I don't know why. Um, fun. And then this is curiosity. a family show, Robin. I don't know where all those came from. But, um, and then like, and then like learning and stuff. I don't, that's not enough. But right. um, so those are like my buckets. So I put those things that they, those are the things that bring me joy in my life. And, you know, try and try not to compartmentalize the personal life, professional life, social, whatever, like focus on you as a person. And so I put those into the rings. That's the step. Then the next step is the three. And the three is about now looking at those things that bring you joy and playing with the possibilities of how do you combine those to like make them even bigger and better. Cause one of the barriers that people have in doing the things that they love to do is time. And they, you know, they'll say, I don't have the time to spend with my family or do the fitness or, you know, all of those things. And so I always say, okay, well, if we could play with some ideas of possibilities to combine things to maybe already doing half of those things, but you're not combining with the other things to actually maybe minimize the time impact and make what you're doing more fun and more full of joy and more powerful. So, you know, if you take, so take three of those things and combine them and see what ideas come up. So example, family, fitness, and food. Those Mm -hmm. are three of my joys. Well, for me, I can combine those things by, you know, going for a walk. I live in an amazing part of Southern California, you know. Yes, you do. Go down to the beach, go for a walk, you know, give myself some fitness with a spouse, with some of the kids, and then go get some ice cream at our favorite place that is like right in the (laughs) village. and. You know, instead of judging that idea as being like simple or whatever, but how valuable would that be for me to do all of those three things at once and combine it into 
something that I know it's going to be like a great use of my time and really fulfill me so that I can go back to the other stuff that maybe isn't so awesome, but still feel like I'm living true to the things that I really love in my life. So that's the three. Thanks for sharing that, Robin. I really appreciate it. Um, so we were talking about, you know, the five, three, one method and, and I love the example that you just used about, you know, how to combine, you know, family fitness and ice cream. That's always a win. So, you know, can you, can you help us understand how we can do that? That same process through figuring out maybe what to do career-wise. I know a lot of Listeners are maybe in jobs where they feel stuck or they want to make a pivot or they want to do something different. Um, So I think it would be really helpful to share how you might do that from a career perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And so my examples obviously were kind of like me thinking, because for me, I, I tend to lose sight of some of the stuff on the side, not work-wise that like, I want to fill some gaps in. So that's where I put my attention. But the way that this works is you can use it for anything. It's kind of like a decision-making matrix in a way, Mm -hmm. right? So if your intention is, I really want to figure out what to do next in my career, well, same basis, right? So still make a joy list, but make it very specific to the work that you do and how you want to serve people. Or maybe it's not even serving people. Maybe you're like, I don't even like people. And and so (laughs) it has nothing to do with people and that's fine. But really look at the joys that you have when you want to do something and put that into the bucket. So, you know, everybody, when I was in the corporate world, like a long time ago, um, strengths finders was a very big assessment. Mm -hmm. And all that was really doing was bringing to light based on like your information, what you were good at. And so you know, if you sit down again, it takes time to be diligent and, and sit down with yourself and say, what do I love about the job that I'm doing or the job that I want to do and extract those pieces and put them into the rings? You know, Mm -hmm. what do I love about the kind of work that I'm doing or want to do? And then you can play with possibilities and saying like, what kind of job would this look like? And like, like I mentioned, when I was looking at doing something else, I didn't know that coaching would necessarily be the job, but I knew the pieces that I loved about helping people, you know, come up with their own solutions, being a speaker. Like I just kind of started to put those things out there. And when I started to combine them and I would sit down with somebody and talk and they, they would say what they did. And all of a sudden they would like repeat the things that I love to do. I was like, Oh, and all of those actually work together. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take a little bit of like, you might not have the answers of what those possibilities are, but you know that there's a way to put them together. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking other people for ideas, you know, those possibilities. There's nothing wrong with even like Googling, hello, right? And like putting in things that say, what kind of job involves, you know, data and serving people? And I don't know, um, what would be another fun thing to do if you were organizing data, serving people? And... It might be working, you know, it might be working alone. It might be working in a group. Working I mean, remotely. So, mm-hmm, right. Working <laughs> yeah. remotely. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you, when you do that again, it just starts to pop up and it might take a little while. You know, that's the other thing. I'm not saying you're going to sit down and in an hour, you're going to have this all figured out, but you start combining these things. And when you've got, again, these rings they are like puzzle pieces. I mean, call them whatever you want, then you're just putting them together in different ways, which is all about like, there's so many different combinations. So it gives you opportunity to combine. 
And so as you start to do this, and I, and I use three as the number, because sometimes if you're like, I want to put all five of them together, like you're going to overwhelm your, overwhelm yourself instantly. Sure. You know, so don't go too nuts with that. So maybe try the three. And then the one is to pick one thing that you can do of those possibilities and, Mm. you know, to take action on that possibility. Now, the one thing might be, you know, do some research. (laughs) The one thing might be schedule time with somebody to have coffee and talk about their job. The one thing might be just put it on the calendar. Sure. But it makes it very intentional to say, I'm not going to just spend all of my time thinking and planning and, and creating it. It puts somebody into a mode of action, which can be the most difficult part when you're trying to figure out something new, right? You're trying to find a new path, very easy to get stuck and be like, but I'm just, I'm so overwhelmed. There's so much pick one thing to do. No, I lo- I absolutely love everything you're saying. And thank you for, you know, giving people the process to, to go through, to do this both you know, for their careers, as well as their, their home life. And, you know, I think for so many people, you know, there's that sense of maybe being unfulfilled, or they've been doing their career for a while, or they're just bored, right? And um, they're just not really passionate sometimes about life in general. And I think even just taking the personal side of it, and just saying, you know, what lights me up? And you know, putting that, those five rings together and finding out where those combinations are and taking three of them and starting to combine them. You know, it's amazing how much joy you can get from just being intentional about those things that really, those can be life-changing moments. And those can be life-changing activities that people really start being intentional about that can be life-changing. I tell a lot of my clients, a lot of them come to me and they think that, you know, they have to burn the boat and they have to turn their entire life upside down. And, you know, all of a sudden they've been in corporate and they want to, they, at 19, they wanted to be an artist. And now they want to think that they need to, you know, move to Bali to become an artist. Well, no, maybe you just need to do your five rings and pick your three things. And maybe art is one of them. And maybe you go to a wine and art night on a Thursday night and with your girlfriends. And that just fires you up enough to you know, get you motivated again and and kind of bring some joy back into your life. Yeah. And you know, the other thing too, that's interesting is sometimes it also tells you what you don't want, Mm -hmm. you know, because maybe you do this discovery process and you realize these are things that you, that do bring you joy, but they don't fit together in a way that makes sense. That doesn't align with your values or, you know, whatever it is. And so it also could tell you the direction that you don't want to go. And that's just as valuable, you know? Completely agree. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. I'll give an example. I actually have a client who I'm working with and she has been actually, she's kind of the flip of most of us is she actually has been pursuing her passions and she's been pursuing her creative outlets um, to monetize them and make money off of them. But what she's realized is that every single one of its, she's tried to monetize about four businesses that were passions of hers, hobbies of hers, and she's tried to turn them into a business. And interestingly enough, they haven't been successful. And the reason why is, is because she tried to turn something that she really loved doing into a business. And then it became a business and it kind of lost its, its joy. And so, you know, I've actually been 
we've been working together to steer her in a different direction, it was really powerful for her just to realize, look, I need to differentiate between the things that bring me passion and bring me joy and bring me happiness and then my career. And they are two different things for her. And once she had that realization, it was so powerful. Yeah. And and that's huge because what it sounds like is it wasn't necessarily the what, it was the how. Exactly. Which is is super significant because there are a lot of things that I do love to do. But if I said my intention is to make it a business or to monetize it, it might not fit the criteria, right, to do that. So it was the how that didn't necessarily make sense. The what is still there. Like I I do love fitness and family and food and what have you, but I don't see it as something that I'd want to create into a business wise. So I like I love that you're able to help work with her to figure out how to differentiate and not lose the fact that those are things that are so important to her and super mm-hmm. joyful. You don't lose that, but you recognize it. You create that awareness of this is where this lives for me. And then this is where I want to fill the gap, right? Or fill the the void that something else needs to create the income, the stability or whatever it is that she requires for herself in a business. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And so what is, you know, after someone takes action, so they go through the five, three, one method and they, you know, start taking these small actions. What's next? You know, honestly, it's doing it for a while and Mm -hmm. giving it time and realizing that this doesn't just magically happen overnight. You know, you might get some great aha moments, right? You know, write those down, keep a journal, start to track kind of what's coming up. What are you discovering? What are you starting to understand? And then once you kind of get a little bit more meat on that bone, then you can kind of say, okay, well, as I'm applying it, what's happening? What are the results or the outcomes from that? And then gauge it. It's like an experiment. You know, honestly, you have to give it some time and space to grow. That's the cultivation part of it, which is really cool. And then look at it, reflect on it. You know, what's working, what's not working. Where do I put more of my time? How do I reassess it without the judgment? Oh, it's failed. Well, that's judgment. It's not good or bad. It's just, what is it that's actually working? And what do you want to do more of to get more of the things that you really desire? So keep doing it consistently give yourself some time and reflect on it and be honest. And you might not be the most honest person to yourself to look at it. So you might got to, you might have to tap into somebody else, <laughs> another resource, a coach, somebody that you can really be held accountable for to do that kind of work. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And where do you think, you know, from you working with your clients, where do you feel like they struggle the most in going through this process or, or this, you know, kind of the self-discovery of themselves. Where do you, you know, what do you feel like are the, uh, yeah, just the areas that they struggle the most? I would say it's typically in the beginning, it's just a whole lot of self-judgment. You know, Mm. when you have people, especially, you know, I speak for myself, uh, a female high performing, you know, like I, I put a lot of pressure on myself and have for a very long time, you know, in my career, in my family to just do a lot and be very successful with a certain idea of what that meant. And so putting so much judgment around if something worked, if it didn't and why, and sometimes realizing that it's not about you, but it's just about the way that maybe it just didn't align 
So the struggle is kind of like removing the judgment, realizing it's not wrong or broken. You don't have to fix it. Just look at it. Give yourself some space and grace to, you know, mm-hmm. say, hey, that wasn't the way that I want to go. And let's try it again, you know, mm-hmm. but removing that, I think it's just a judgment piece that takes a really long time. And we do it, not like it, it necessarily goes away, but you start to understand how you speak to yourself a lot better when you capture those moments or write it down and say, what was I thinking? How was I feeling? And look at it and read it aloud and be like, huh. I wasn't very nice to myself. How do I change that to empower myself even more and feel better about the stuff that I'm doing? Give myself some credit. Yeah, I I, I love what you said about, you know, having grace with ourselves. I think specifically as women, I think we are very hard on ourselves. And I love what you said about having having grace and being kinder to ourselves in that process. So on the flip side, we talk about, you know, us judging ourselves. But let's just say that we go through this process, we find what we're really excited about and what we really want to do, but we have maybe a spouse or a partner that isn't supportive of the changes that we want to make. How do you advise your clients then? That's tricky. It's definitely tricky. And, you know, I'm definitely can understand being in that place because I've been in that situation before. And I think it's trying to, again, understand, is this about you or is this about them? And Mm, so tell me me more about that. (laughs) It's realizing that, you know, again, that like sphere of influence where we are the only person that we can control. And that's a really difficult thing when you have a spouse that may not necessarily think that that applies to them, you know? (laughs) And so, you know, I, I was just talking about this recently, I think, where other people's insecurities usually are the reasons why we choose to like do something else or feel that judgment so harshly. Like if other people's opinions are the ones steering the ship, then we're only going to go where they think we should go. Mm-hmm. And once you understand that, and it's super hard, and that's not to say that the relationship can't withstand the change, but it's being very diligent and aware, conscious of, is this decision for you or is this decision have something to do with what somebody else wants you to do mm-hmm. and starting to draw the line. And you know what, opening up the, the, the conversation, one of the biggest things that people are afraid of is being able to share their voice and, and speak to that thing that they're most afraid of for fear of what the response will be. And sometimes we need the reality of that response because if we continually do what we think other people say we should be doing, then we're just going to get the results that they want. So <laughs> it's hard. You know, I've, I've been there. I know what it's like to ask the question, but then also I've also been very surprised. I've been very pleasantly surprised when I've put the question out there and maybe asked this person how they felt about it. And maybe they were just reacting to it because they were scared too. But when you open the door to the conversation, you have to be ready to accept whatever it is that comes back. There's reality there. So you either face reality or you live in the fakeness. And it's like, which is <laughs> which is more long-term, you know? Yeah. No, I, I think what you're saying is exactly spot on. And I think sometimes, whether we're talking to a spouse or a friend or a coworker and we're sharing our ideas about changes we want to make. 
Um, it is interesting because it, it, especially with people close to you, it's hard not to personalize their responses because you are so close to them. But I also think you bring up a fantastic point is really, is it about, is it about you or is it really about them? And are you challenging them? Because now all of a sudden you are in a position where maybe you're growing and you're changing and it's threatening their comfort level and it's threatening, you know, their status quo. And now all of a sudden you're, you're making them uncomfortable. But like you said, opening up that conversation to where, you know, you may have an anticipation of what the conversation is going to be, but the reality of it could be very different. And you've been holding on to this conversation for so long, afraid to have it, when in fact, that person may be very supportive. Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, I, I went through that in 2017, when I was like, at that place of, oh my gosh, like, what, what am I going to do now? And, you know, I said, I stopped. And what happened was, I put myself into a place of fear and kind of shut down a little bit of what I was thinking about doing and kind of kept it very close to myself because I was very afraid of sharing that conversation with my husband. Like I was really nervous about it because in my mind, I had been this very successful, you know, female leader for so long. I'd always had my own career, my own job, you know, and I'm very proud of that work. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden to be in this place of like unknown, what am I going to do next? What does this even look like? I was afraid that that would make me look weak or, or not able to support myself in the relationship. And so it really took a hit to my own like Mm self-confidence. And so I was afraid to say anything for fear that he was going to like agree with me, (laughs) you know, and be like, oh yeah, you you really need to go get a job or like almost like he would tell me to do something else versus what I truly wanted to do, which was to explore this idea of coaching and pursuing this, you know, personal development as a career. And so I remember literally finally, like just sitting down and very nervously asking him, like, how do you feel about this? You know, like I want to do this. It's going to take some time. I want to build my own business. Like, this is what I really want to do. I don't want to go back and just, you know, quote, get a job. And it was like this moment of like silence of like, oh my God, what is going to say? Like, he's going to leave. You know, I mean, just like all the stories. I <laughs> right. We always think the worst case scenarios, right? Definitely. Right. And I was like, I had in my head what he was going to say. And he looked at me and he said, you're going to be successful in whatever you choose to do. Mm-hmm. And I still, it still like gives me goosebumps because it's not that it's what I needed to hear. It was so true to what he believed about me. And I heard that louder than anything just for him to say that. And that doesn't mean that he was cool with me just not working or cool with me just, you know, sitting around or whatever, which I wasn't. But in my in my head, I needed to hear him say how much he believed in me. And that was like, that's what I just, that's what took me to that next level. I was like, he believes I'm a success, mm-hmm. you know, and I already did, but that validation was extremely helpful. Had he said something else, I still don't think it would have been something that would have changed my mind, but it would have allowed me to say, okay, now I understand what you're talking about. What are you afraid of? Yeah. Yeah. And then you can kind of go from there. Once you know what somebody's afraid of, maybe they're like, I'm afraid you're not going to have time for me. I'm afraid you're not going to be there for the kids. I'm afraid of this. Like, 
vulnerability is hard, you know, and I'm, and especially for men, I mean, it just, it tends to be a more difficult conversation. So for me to at least know that if he didn't have those kinds of fears, then what the heck am I afraid of? (laughs) Right. Right. No, I love that you shared that story and, and thank you for, you know, thank you for opening up and sharing that because I, it is so valuable and it's such a great example of what we were just talking about. So, um, thank you for that. And just for everyone to know, you know, we talked about the five, three, one method. It is your signature method. And if everyone is interested, you can text the word possible to three, one, nine, nine, six, and that will enable you to get a download of the five, three, one method. And you can go ahead and do it for yourself. As I mentioned, you know, when I first introduced this podcast, it was really important to me that people walk away with actionable steps or thoughts or insights. And um, this is definitely the value, not only the value that Robin brings with her stories and her experience and her coaching through developing this method, but you can actually do it yourself. So I'm thankful that you are giving that as a gift to, to everyone listening. Thank you, Robin. Absolutely. Okay. So I do have One last follow-up. So in my podcast interview form, I have a question that says, what is the one question you wished you were asked more often? And funny enough, you said, what is my favorite pizza topping? So I cannot (laughs) conclude this podcast without (laughs) asking you what your favorite pizza topping is. And the other question I said is, is there anything you would not like to be asked during the interview? And you said, why do you love pizza so much? (laughs) (laughs) I told you I love love food. So we have to know what is your favorite pizza topping? Okay. So I was born and raised in New York when I was younger. I moved when I was 10 years old to the Midwest, but you know, I mean, I, I consider myself, you know, an East coast girl, Long Island, and we had the best pizza. We had the best pizza. And so for me, it's a, it's a, well, the pizza itself is a thin crust pizza, but the topping is homemade meatballs. I mean, just a really good meatball that then is broken up onto the pizza. Like that is by far my favorite topping, which is really difficult to find in California, like a Mm -hmm. good meatball and a good thin crust pizza. So that's my favorite topping. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And it ties right back into our conversation earlier about your five, three, one method about, you know, family, fitness and food. So (laughs) I think the five, three, one method should be a whole method of ordering pizza. So (laughs) putting your favorite toppings into the circles and then picking three and coming up with a new pizza and then ordering the pizza is the one. I think that's a whole new method. We just figured it out. It's your method, girl. You do it. You go. (laughs) (laughs) Any last thoughts you want to share with everyone listening? Oh gosh, we've covered so many great things. I just appreciate you so much. You know, I, I I think what I like to leave people with is this whole idea around when you're really trying to discover what your gifts are or find something new for yourself or whatever, that piece of self-confidence is so important. And I love to tell people that self-confidence is a renewable resource. So Finding it sometimes is really hard, but it never taps out. You literally will never, ever run out of self-confidence. It's just how much do you tap into it and how much does it really help you drive, you know, the bus or whatever to where you're going, like, you know, get there. But that self-confidence is there. Keep tapping into it. It will literally never run out. 
I think that's a great way to end the show. I absolutely love it. So for everyone listening, you can log on to Robin's website at www.robinkoenig. It's R-O-B-Y-N-K-O-E-N-I-G.com. You can find her on Instagram at rarefind underscore love. And you can also look her up on LinkedIn under her name, Robin Koenig. So Robin, thank you so much for being on today and providing all of us such value and stories. You're such a great storyteller. And I'm so glad you were here today. And I really, really appreciate you being here. And I appreciate you sharing yourself with us. Thank you, Natalie. All right. Thanks, Robin. Take care. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now.